Okay, everybody, a happy Thanksgiving, and uh, more importantly, a good Chodesh, and a good Nerv Shabbos. A bit of a short shear today, uh, for many reasons. First of all, because my Sfarim are still in boxes, uh, and because you guys are all busy uh, with your families, and I hope you enjoy that. Um, And uh, so we just wanted to, you know, a couple of minutes on the Parsha, uh, you know, to keep this going. Uh, and, and also some of my, uh, one of my favorite vorts, one of my favorite vorts that I heard in Yeshiva uh, in this week's Parsha. But either way, so I wanted to get something down uh, so you guys can listen to when you're, I don't know, cleaning up all of the, the extra turkey. Uh, Parsha's told us basically Yitzchak of Yenus Parsha. Uh, he's, he's obviously not really the star, but it starts off with a bit about Yitzchak, right? That he has, Rivka has a difficult pregnancy, right? Esau and Yaakov are born. Right, and then we kind of, uh, you know, with it, we see glimpses of Yitzchak, and then obviously we shift into the uh, the Esav and Yaakov situation for the Bechorah. Yaakov sells the, uh, uh, Esav sells the birthright uh, to Yaakov. There's a famine. Yitzchak goes down to Gerar. Uh, there's fighting over the wells that Yitzchak di- di- digs. Uh, Avimelech affirms a bris with Yitzchak. Um, Esav gets married actually twice in the parsha, once in the middle, and once at the end. Uh, there's a whole story, obviously, uh, you're familiar with, with the brachos and Yaakov right, uh, tricking Yitzchak, quote-unquote, into giving him the brachos. Uh, Yaakov is told to run away to Lavan, and then, and uh, like, as I said, Esau marries again. Uh, he goes to Yishmael and takes a couple of wives over there uh, at the end of the Parsha. So just a couple of words, um, because, you know, obviously there's trem- a tremendous amount to talk about, uh, but we'll just do, I think, three uh, that are really meaningful. First of all, uh, the Pesach says, right, right, obviously Esav comes back from the field, he's tired at the beginning of the parsha. and he says, give me that soup, that lentil soup that Chazas uh, Yaakov was uh, cooking because Avram had passed away and there was, a, it was it's a mourner's type of food. Okay, so anyways, Esav wants some soup and it was red, the soup was red, and the Puzzik then finishes off and says, Alkin Karashamo Edom, therefore we call Esau's name, right, Edom, and that's his nation, that's his nation, that's his country, right, that the Chumash calls him uh, Edom. Now, I always thought when I was growing up, and really until recently, uh, that I never really paid much attention. I thought Esau was called Edom because he was born with red hair. Right, the Pazik says, right, Harishon Admoni, Kader Sayar, right? It says the Pazik says he was born with red hair. And Raji says, that was a sign that he was gonna be a murderer, right? That's that's it, that was his nature. He was red, he was murderous, etc. But the Torah here seems to say, or not seems to say, it says straight out that he was called Edom because he asked for the red soup. And that's a little weird because it doesn't seem like a big deal in the grand scheme of things. Right to name his country and his nation after a soup, <laughs> it's a little bit odd. And 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 you know what's going on? Meaning what's pshat? What's the Torah trying to tell us that Al King Karashmo Edom? What's what's the point when the Torah says this is why Esav was called Edom? Like, this was Esav. You know this is the quintessential story about Esav. So what's going on over here? So I thought afterwards that it actually makes per- perfect sense because it doesn't say right. It doesn't say. He doesn't say that Esav said, give me this red soup, and therefore he was called red. It says three words in between that, right? It says, Esav says, give me this red soup because I'm tired. Meaning, I'm tired now. I want soup now, right? Esav's whole 
world outlook, right, was for the here and now, right? As, as if you read Rashi's at the beginning of the Parsha, throughout that whole story, right, at the beginning with the soup, etc., and the Bechorah, right, Rashi explains it throughout the narrative, right? Esau wasn't interested in the Bechorah, right? He says, the, he says, right? He was concerned about the birthright, which would, Rashi says, which would entail possible punishments of death for different, you know, infractions, like, you know, going to the Besamekdash, doing Avodah Besamekdash while drunk, etc. Right? So Yaakov, it's Esau basically said, I'm going to get my descendants killed for all this. Right? What do I need this for? So he chucked it. Right? As the Pazim, right? Pazim says, Esau, Esau, he was, it was disgusting to him. He wasn't interested. Right? He was, it's, it's going to be a disaster for me down the line. So he wasn't called Edom because of his red hairs, right? by the nature of which he was born with, but by his actions and his outlook later in life. Right? Later and already when he was older, and he was only focused on the here and now. He was tired. He wanted soup. That's what, that, therefore, we call him soup, pretty much. We call him soup because that's what he wanted. That was what was more valuable to him than the years of service in Beis Amikdash and, and being the firstborn, etc., etc. Right? Because the, even though he had the potential to be a murderer, right? as Rashi says, Rashi says, that it, it was a sign that he was going to be a murderer, but it was only a sign. Right, it it wasn't didn't he didn't have to be a murderer, right? And it calls into if people are familiar. The Gemara says at the end of Masechet Shabbos, that fascinating Gemara that a person born under Mars, right? Again, talking about the constellations uh, and the planets and whatever, so that person is destined to spill blood. So that doesn't necessarily mean though that he's going to kill people, right? He could be either a murderer, obviously, or he could be a shochet, he could be a moel, right? Just because Esav had those tendencies, right, didn't mean he needed to act on them. In a negative way. And this is a tremendous, tremendous muster. That we are called by our actions, not by our nature. Right? Again, everybody struggles with different things. Right? And the thing, honestly, the thing you struggle with is probably why you were put on this earth to begin with. Right? To be Mekadi Shem Shemayim with your specific, unique struggle. Right? As Ramban says, right? We talked about the Ramban by the Akeda. The purpose of a test is to bring potential right, into reality. Right? All the potential in the world is wonderful. But until it's actualized, right, it's not as valuable Right, as it could be. So we all have tendencies that we are born with, right? And they are theoretically all neutral, right? Someone born under Mars has a tendency to spill blood. Now that could be used for good, as we said, to be a mohel, or for bad, Rahman right, to be a murderer. Right? It's up to us how we use them. Right. And the way we use them is how we're going to be remembered. And that's how Esau was called. He was called Edom because he wanted soup. Because I'm tired. Right? That was his essence. Right, that's what he chose. Right, obviously he, he was tired from murdering, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, doing all these averos. Right, if you look at the chazals over there, that that was his essence. That that's all he focused on, um, and that is obviously you know something that we uh, take to heart uh, and and realize that we have the koch, even though we have certain tendencies, we can we can choose what to do with those kochos uh, and those challenges. Okay. Um, the second word I just wanted to throw out is one of one of my favorites. I heard from. Uh, Rav Yishai Kenigsberg, when I was in Yeshiva, when it was Shanabet, he gave schmoozes uh, to the Shanabet uh, betters, and I never forgot it. I never forgot this vort. I, I still try and look around to see if it was you. I don't remember if he quoted someone. Uh, it's not in the Siva Shalom. Uh, it's not in. Uh, um, what did I, where else did I look today? I don't remember. Uh, it's whatever. Talkless. It's Rav Yishai Kenigsberg, basically based on Rashi and the Sisachachaman. The Puzzik says, very underrated Puzzik. Two couple of Psukim that we probably skip over when we read all the other exciting things uh, in this parsha. Puzzik says that Esav got married, ready to married two women at first, right? Basmas and Yehudis. 
And the Pasuk says, Vatiana Moras Ruach, Li Yitzchak Ula Rivka. And they bothered Yitzchak and Rivka. And Rashi there says, What were they doing? They were do- worshipping idols. They were over to Vodazara. right on the Rashi, says, How do you know that? Where did you get that from? Right? It doesn't say anything about that uh, in the Pasuk. Right? You could, right? There are hints, the Chazal talk about, okay, the smoke that would, that would bother, okay, whatever they were doing, the Ketores, the there, what is our, doesn't say anything about that in the Pasuk. Uh, Basmas, okay, fine. She was named after the Bosem, the, the, the Basamim that she would uh, raise to her Vodazara. But what does Rashi know? Right? That they bothered Yitzchak and Rivka, that it was their Vodazara that bothered them. So uh, the Sischam um, the says, because you look at the wording in the Pasuk. Pasuk says, Vatiana Moras Ruach, Li Yitzchak, Ula Rivka. To Yitzchak, and to Rivka. First of all, Mary mentions Yitzchak first. Okay, you gotta mention somebody somebody first. But it doesn't say Li Yitzchak Virivka, right? It says Li Yitzchak Rivka. Meaning, if I would say to you that, that uh, you know, Shlemi is bothering uh, Steve and Jake, okay, that would imply that he's bothering Steve and Jake equally. But if you'd say Shlemi is bothersome to Steve and to Jake, right, that would imply that he bothers them differently on different levels. Right? So that's what it says over here. Right? It says that they bothered Yitzchak. It was bothersome to Yitzchak and to Rivka. Right? Uli Rivka. Li Yitzchak Uli Rivka. Implying that they bothered them differently. Says the What's the only Avera that could bother Yitzchak and Rivka differently? And that must be a Vodazara. Why? Because Rivka grew up in a house of a Vodazara. She grew up in a house of a Vodazara. Now, how many days, how many years did she spend there? Okay, according to one opinion, it was only three years, and obviously she wasn't worshipping Avodah Zarah. But Takla, she grew up in a house of Avodah Zarah. And that was enough to desensitize her right, to this Avera, this Avera, that she was slightly desensitized, slightly less bothered, bothersome, or she was bothered slightly less than Yitzchak. Which is wild because obviously Rivka is one of our imahos, right? And the fact that you say that she wasn't bothered by Avodah Zara so much, I mean, that's a wild statement. But you see that what happened? What 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 is? What do you see from this? Right? The Chora that that the influences that a person has, right, can uh, can affect them. That uh, the influences that people, you know, that that uh, that are around somebody, even though you don't realize it, the things that are going on around you, right, is is Pashtus is, is uh, something that affects a person tremendously. Um, and, you know, we see this all over, all over Chumash and, and, and Torah and, and this Musr is, is all over the place. Uh, you know, we have uh, Yaakov Shimoni in the first Pazik of Tehillim, right? If a person, I don't have it in front of me, but a person walks with Rishayim, right? They end up standing with Leitzim and sitting with Leitzim, or I forget exactly the phrase, Ashrei Misho Lo Halach Ba'atzas Rishayim, and I forget how it finishes. But long story short, there's a progression in the first Pazik. It says, praiseworthy is someone who doesn't walk with Rishayim and stand with sinners and sit with Leitzim, with bums. So it says the Al-Kishimani, right? A person walks with Rishayim, he'll end up standing with them, and then eventually he'll end up sitting with them. Uh, there's, uh, you know, Rav Melech quotes uh, uh, in Parshish Balak, he quotes, again, I think the Radomska Rebbe, who says, the positive, that Balak is talking to Bilam, trying to get him to come and curse the Jews. 
But he says, that, check it out, there's a nation that's come out of Egypt, and they're covering the entire expanse of the land. They, you can, as far as the eye can see, they, they're covering the land. But it says the Rodam's Rebbe, if you just take the actual literal meaning of the words, right? there's a nation that comes out of Egypt. Right? If you want to get out of Egypt, cover the eyes of the land. Meaning, cover your eyes from seeing the land. Right? That's the literal meaning of the Pasuk. A person wants to get out of Egypt, cover your eyes. Right? Be careful about what you see. And there's another puzzle. I'm sorry, I have a quote. So the puzzle says, Yudah and Tamar. It says, when, when Yudah goes to uh, to pay Tamar for the services rendered, so he sends somebody with a goat, and they ask the people in the town, In the context of the story, it says, where is, it means, where is the zona that was here on the crossroads? But he says, look at the words. Where is the Kedusha? Right? It's in a person's eyes. Right? Guarding a person's eyes and the things that they see, and therefore consume and that they're influenced by, right, is the key to Kedusha, right? Obviously, Shemir Sinayim is a whole schmooze uh, for guys, but for everybody, right? For the things that you see with your eyes influence your mind, right? They say the eyes are the window into the soul. That's mama's true, right? Uh, what you allow your eyes to see is an undeniable influence on what you think and how you think, right? Again, someone who hasn't watched countless hours of, of Hollywood entertainment, right, thinks differently than someone who hasn't, right? Someone who's watched influences on social media, uh, and other and you know other apps and whatnot on the phone it has effect on a person right the the media that you consume right where I say it all the time we're careful what we consume with our mouths but we have to be careful about what we consume with our eyes and our minds as well and if you don't think it affects us so this is you know Rashi says Rashi right sure enough the Vodazara in Rivka's house affected her right one of the most right so much so that the Vodazara of her daughter in law upset her slightly less than it did Yitzchak. Right, so we have to be very careful about the influences that we that we surround ourselves with, right? There's a Rashba, I like to quote there's a Rashbam in, in Bava Basra. Right? In Bava Basra, Dafnan Zion says that if a person has an option to take two routes to work, and one of them has modest women dressed on it, and one of them has immodest women dressed on it, obviously, as you might imagine, you can't go down the road that has immodest women, you just take the other road that that has modest women. It says the Rashbam, even if he closes his eyes. Amazing, amazing. Even if that per- the person closes his eyes, it's not even an issue of the histaklos. It's not even the looking. It's because you put yourself in a position to be influenced when an alternative exists. That's that's a problem. Right? Again, I, I don't know. You guys know the influences better than I do. Right? Think about the things that you consume. Right? If it could affect one of the imahos, so then it can affect obviously each and every one of us. Right? Thousands and thousands of times over. Okay, last board for today, um, and that is again a, kind of a, a topic we've mentioned previously, uh, but obviously requires mentioning over and over and over and over and over until we really, uh, probably for the rest of our lives, really until we truly, truly uh, are able to internalize um, that everything is from a kosh baruch Right, everything is from a kosh baruch We are supposed to do our ishtadlus, but really everything is from a kosh baruch Pasuk says, right, by talking about Yitzchak's uh, exploits in Gerar. It says over there, right, that was where you get the word, the famous street, this is where it comes from. Right? Yitzchak planted in that land, and he found in that, in that year, he found a hundred times, right, a hundred gates, okay, a hundred times, a hundred times what he was supposed to right, have, 
have uh, have uh, have reaped. Right? Rashi says over there, Aratahi Shanahi. Why does it say that? That in that land and in that year, because the land was tough, it wasn't doing so well, and and the year was tough, right? There was a famine as well, right? Because that's where he went to grow. So not only, first of all, the the land wasn't really great land, and it was a bad year. It was a famine. Still, the Kosh Baruch gave him five times, a hundred times over, and at the end of the pasuk, Vayivarechayu Hashem, and Hashem. Hashem uh, blessed him. Says Remelech Biderman, an awesome diuk. It says, and reminiscent of the Gemara in Megillah, the beginning of Megillah. Gemara says, uh, the, the Puzzik says, and then we'll get to the Gemara in a second. Puzzik says, Vayizra Yitzchak, right? Yizra, Yitzchak planted, and then Vayimtza, he found a hundred times what he should have. Okay, what is, what is the word found? What do you mean found? When you find something, that's luck. You're just walking down the street, you find a $20 bill. What do you mean found? It should have said he planted and then he reaped or he he acquired or whatever. So if he gathered, he reaped. What do you mean he found? So this is reminiscent. And he doesn't quote this directly, but it's reminiscent. The Gemara and Megillah, I think it's Davav. Yagati Matzati Tamin. That a person is working hard. Yagati, put an effort to learn Torah. And then he says, Matsati, and I found, I was found success. So you should believe that person. But if they didn't put in effort, so then you shouldn't believe that person. What it says, I think, I forget who's, who Vord it is. A famous Vord. I think it's uh, Michelle Salanter, but it could be, uh, could be of Dessler. I don't, I don't remember. What do you mean, Yagati Umatsati? A person puts in the work to try to understand the Torah. So what do you mean, Umatsati? Matsati means I found it. He finds it. Then you should believe him. If a person works and then finds something, that you should believe. Finding something has nothing to do with working. Right? You work for something and you earn it. You don't find it. So that's the same idea. That Akash Baruch Hu wants us to put in the effort. And then he gives it to us as a gift. He gives it to us as a metziah, right? Whatever we're working towards. Rav Melech quotes the Kedusha Zomtev. So the Pesach says, In Mishlei, right? Ki birachta Hashem, he taas here. When Akash Baruch blesses us, that's how we become wealthy. Right? The, we put in the shtadlas, but the blessing comes from Akash Baruch What we have to do, that's what Adam got cursed with, mankind has to work. Right? But the parnas that Hashem blesses us as a metziah, is, is something we find, right? is a gift from Shemayim. And you see this later in the parsha also. The Pazik says that but Rivka told Yaakov, right, by when Yaakov was going to go take the, the Bechorah from Esau, Rivka goes and tells Yaakov to get her a couple of goats, Right, so she can prepare the food, right, etc. Right, just like Yitzhak liked, okay, etc. So the first Shalom, the Radamsk Rebbe, again, Melech quotes the Radamsk Rebbe, he says, the entire operation hinges on Rivka's dish. Right, who cares who gets the goats? Right, go get for me a couple of goats. Who cares who gets the goats? Right, the whole thing is bringing Yitzhak food that he will think that was trapped by Esau, exactly like he likes. Right, the whole thing, Yaakov hasn't spent a day in the kitchen. Right? Who cares? Right? Rivka is doing everything. Right? She's making the dish. She's putting the, the, the wool on his hands, the, the hair on Yaakov's hands. Right? She's the orchestrator here. Right? Who cares who goes and gets the... Why does the Torah even tell me right, who got the goat? Send a servant. Get a goat. What's the difference? So the answer is... So one answer is... And then the Radomsker kind of takes it a step further. One answer, answer is, is that that was all Yaakov could have done in that moment. Right? He had no ability to cook. He didn't know how to prepare food like that. So he did the only thing he could do. That was his ishtadlis. That was literally the only thing he could do. Otherwise, he would have just been a bystander. But the Radomsky Rebbe says even better. He says that this is really a message to all of us. That when we think we can't do something, 
And I'd imagine, I'm just guessing, conjecture, right, that Yaakov definitely thought he had no ability to deceive his father. Right? Again, that's, that seems clear from the story. He's very reluctant. Uh, you know, read between the lines or even just read the lines themselves. He's not an espionage major. He's not an espionage major. Right? He's, not, he's some scrawny yeshiva kid who has no idea how to do this stuff. Right? The Tita and Emma's Yaakov. Yaakov is pure MS. He has no idea. He's very out of his element. So if a person feels like that, right, that they can't accomplish something, and say spiritually, and this was very necessary spiritually, that Am Yisrael should get the brachos, right? If a person feels like they can't accomplish spiritually, right, and you're afraid to even open your mouth, right, because Akash Baruch Hu hates you for whatever Avera that you think that you did or whatever, and you think that Akash Baruch Hu doesn't want to hear from you, and, and, and you know, you just know that you won't even come close to 1% of what you're supposed to be doing in this mitzvah or halacha or whatever, this is a message to us, this is a message to us that we should just do whatever we can. The message of the parallel here to us, Rivka is Kibyakal Akash Baruchu, and Yaakov is each and every one of us. Rivka says, Lech Kachli, come go go get for me. Go get for me a goat. Just do whatever you can. Right? The only thing you can do right now is bring me the goat. I'll take care of the rest. Right? And Rivka, sure enough, she does, she cooks and she dresses him up nice, and etc. etc. This says their dumpsker. Right, is, is the message to us in this Pasuk. And he just says, and that's, for example, why we say at the beginning of davening, right? This is, if you want a practical example, you can think about from, from every time we start davening, we say, Hashem, Hashem open my mouth and my, uh, open my lips, right? And my mouth will sing your, will say your praises. Right? You ever think about what that means? Right? How can our mouths actually say HaKosh Baruch Hu's praises, right? Can we even begin to talk about Akash Baruch Hu's praise, not, not by ourselves, but only if Hashem opens our mouth. So we, the first thing we say is, Hashem, we can't do this by ourselves. Open my mouth, and then I'll do it. Right? Help open my mouth for me. And, that's what, and then we start, and that, that's literally how we start davening. Right? Hashem, please help me do what I'm about to do. So we do our ishtadlus. We open our mouths, right? and we ask Hashem to open our mouths and have, be able to say the words. And that, and then Akash Baruch Hu takes care of the rest. Right? This Sevz of Melech is all Akash Baruch Hu asks, asks of a person, just to do whatever they can. But Hashem doesn't ask us to win, He just asks us to try. And Ramelech makes a beautiful diuk from the story of the wells. If you look later in the wells, right, Yitzchak dug a bunch of wells. Right? Sometimes there was no water. Right? Sometimes uh, he, there was fighting with the Plishtim over the wells. Right? And, and you know, the Hasidic Shereb is talking about this being a remez a hint towards our fight with the Yitzhahara, right? Fighting over well springs, right? Well springs of Torah, right? Rav Melech's own publication is called Be'er Parsha, which is well springs of Torah, right? Well springs of Parsha, whatever. So that it, it's, a, it's a metaphor for us, for, for you know, our fighting uh, to make sure we fight over the Torah. But if you notice the Psukim, it says that Yitzchak dug, dug a well, Vayarev Aleha, they fought with him. They dug another well, Vayarev Gamaleha, they fought with him. It says Rav Melech, it doesn't mention who won. It, it, the implication is that they had a fight and Yitzchak moved on. He kind of like, okay, I'm out. But it doesn't mention who won the, the fight, who owned the wells afterwards. It says, Ramelech, the Iker is to fight, right? is to do whatever we can. And that says the Kutzker Rebbe, that's what the Torah tells us, that Yaakov was grabbing onto Esau's heel. Right? What, did Yaakov really think that he could pull Esau back into the womb? Right? They're fighting over the birthright in the womb and Esau goes out first and Yaakov grabs his heel. Like, What? It says the Kutzker, if a person is miyayish, if a person gives up, that's only because they think that they're the ones in charge. When a person gives up hope, 
or gives up whatever they're doing, that's because they think that they can't do anything. Well, they, that person is not realizing that a coach Baruch is the one who does things. I mean, it makes no sense to give up. You know, we do what we can, and Kosh Baruch does the rest. That's how everything works. Spiritually, financially, physically, everything. That's how it works. Right? So when a person, if a person does what he can, a Kosh Baruch does the rest, and then a person doesn't get stressed, right, why they can't do more. Now, obviously, I'm not saying that a person should just sit back and you know, not lift a finger. Do whatever is able for you to do, and then a Kosh Baruch takes care of the rest. So Yaakov thought he was losing the Bechorah, and obviously this is all, you know, the message to us, right? Because obviously a baby in the womb doesn't think, you know, whatever. All right, but anyway, so Yaakov thought he was losing the Bechorah, so he did the only thing he could. He grabbed Esau's heel. And for us, that seems ridiculous. But sure enough, Akash Baruch arranged it that Yaakov would get the Bechorah through all those events later on. And for, again, for us, it might seem like things are going bad, and the only thing we can do is grab somebody's heel. If that's all you can do, right, so that's all you should do. Right? And sure enough, Kosh Baruch will arrange things. It says Rav Melech, right? When things look bad, it looks like all the gates are closed to us, whatever. We do whatever we can. Right? We, whether that's davening or giving staka or doing chesed or whatever, learning some Torah, whatever it is. And in the end, Kosh Baruch will assist us in supernatural ways to move things around, to cause whatever we need to happen to happen. Finally, one more word. This is what the Chavetz Chaim says we also learn from the wells, that that Yitzchak dug the wells and didn't find water, found water, had a fight with the Plishtim, he kept going, right, until he found a well that they didn't fight him on. Right, that's at the end. He called it Rechovot, the streets, right? He called it, the, I don't know if that's exactly what the translation he had in mind, but that's how the world works. We try this, doesn't work. We try this, doesn't work. We keep on going we, until we finally find something that does work. Right, that's how it works in Ruchnius and Gashmius and learning and Shiduchim and Parnasa. Right, that's how the world works. We do what we can, and Kosh Baruch takes care of the rest. Right, and it's a shame with that proper mindset, so we'll be Zocha to have the proper Amuna and see Slacha and everything that we do. Right, have a great Shabbos.